It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me the car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagle Scouting Department. I know I can do better. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. SoundCloud, iTunes, long hiatus. It's over. Cut the music. Cut the music. I'm just cutting the music. Johnny Mita. Let's get right to it, my friend. How the hell are you? Doing well. Doing well, man. This has been an interesting couple days in the city of brotherly love with all types of action on multiple fronts. Yeah, so, where, uh, where do you want to start here? Where do you want to start? What do you got? God, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I guess we're going to talk Sixers. Cause oh, really? Because I thought you wanted to go here. I thought you wanted to go here. You hear that? That's sizzling. That's, That's the hot stove. Uh, it's sizzling. That's actually a YouTube uh, four minutes of bacon sizzling sound effect for those curious. Uh, Got it. Uh, I'll just get rid. I'll just get rid of the sizzling bacon. All right, hot stove. You've been dying for the hot stove, John Mita. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at B Love Podcast. Apologize, we're off for a few weeks. That's life. Uh, Since then, the Super Bowl's been handed out. The Eagles' season came to a halt, which we sort of discussed a couple of weeks back. And now we are right uh, in the middle of some very interesting trade movement, some discussions, and some some transactions for the Sixers, the Phillies, the Flyers are red hot. We'll get to all of it. But Johnny Mita, you've been dying for the hot stove, MLB's offseason, actually pick up to have something occur. You've been chirping it nonstop. We finally have some movement with regard to the Phillies. What do you got? This has been the most – how can I – Torturous. I don't even know if that's a word. Process when you're waiting for the big free agents to sign, and now we're in like day 100 of free agency in Major League Baseball, and still Manny Machado and Bryce Harper haven't signed. Yeah, teams are going to camp. Some of the Phillies players are in Clearwater. I don't get it. Well, they're going to camp. Pitchers and catchers will be reporting in a couple weeks, which is basically going to lead to the biggest move of the day, whereas. There was talks a couple days ago that the Phillies had some interest in the, you know, one of the best catchers in all of Major League Baseball, JT Real Muto. And um, so, next thing you know, things started cooking up, and the, and then the Phillies make a tremendous deal. They acquire his rights, which he's like a 27 year old catcher. They can he, he might be the best catcher in baseball, to be perfectly frank. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He knows how to work in a pitching staff. He can run the bases. The guy can do everything. The other caveat is that apparently Bryce Harper is a big fan of this guy. So will that be the next chip to fall in the next upcoming days, which will be very interesting to see. What the Phillies gave up, people are going to want to know. They give up their best prospect, pitching prospect, Sixto Sanchez, who was pretty much the untouchable and the trade speculation at the deadline last year. They give up Jorge Alfaro. They give up another uh, minor league pitcher. Kind of yeah, Will, Will Stewart, lefty, yeah. 
Right, Will Stewart, and then the international money. Here's how I look at this deal, deal, Joe, and then we'll let you give your thoughts. And the way I look at this deal is, I, I, granted, I get it. You don't want to give up on this, you know, you know, you have a pitching prospect who's going to be a starter, could be an ace in your rotation. Those guys are so hard to find these days. You don't want to give up on them. But I think what this deal just signifies is the Phillies are getting after it. And what they want to do is they, they just they want to prove that, that they're going to be back in contention. And prospect is a prospect for a reason, right? He hasn't made it up to the major league level yet. And, and we don't know if he'll ever turn out. I mean, how many times were we heard, we heard over the years where Dominic Brown was an untouchable? Nobody wanted, you know, Phillies were like, nah, we're not trading He's number one in baseball in America, blah, blah, blah. Now the guy's out of the league. So I think this is a great deal. Even if we fall up, you know, fall short in the Harper and Machado sweet state, again, it's just another piece moving forward. We can use that money to go get another arm or a couple more arms. And I don't know. I really like the deal. I know we gave up a big prospect. You know, Jorge Alfaro. Listen, he was kind of coming into his own a little bit, but he's not half the player that this that JT is. So yeah. I'm really excited about them. And I think the organization tells you everything you need to know. You're right. Sixto Sanchez for the longest time was sort of untouchable. They move him. Alfaro was the catcher of the future. But what did they do it? You know, as a deadline approach last year, they had a catching depth. This uh, the Phillies and Alfaro was in a bit more of a rotation. So. I think they're telling you everything they need to know. If they thought Alfaro was going to be the next Buster Posey, the next Pudge Rodriguez, the next whoever for a decade, they would have hung on to him. He would have been untouchable. If they thought that Sixto Sanchez was legit and really going to be the next stud, I don't think they would have moved him. I read something on Twitter today that they don't like his conditioning habits. Yeah, he's only 20, but he's fallen out of favor a bit with the organization. So we'll see. You know, maybe it's a wake-up call for a young kid, but he hasn't even touched or scratched the surface um, of his potential. What I also heard, too, Joe, is that he dealt with some elbow issues last year. Yeah, he did. So if he's that young and he's got some issues, it's probably a good time to maybe unload him because he may never – He gets if he has health concerns moving forward again, then what type of value? Will you be able to get the pull that you did – that you were able to get as you did today. So that's just another another thing to think about. So uh, I think it was a great move. Well, they get a tw- they get a twenty seven year old catcher. By the way, rakes against the Phillies. Like I hated yeah. JT Real Real Muto because he always crushed the Phillies. He hit two eighty with six bombs and twenty six RBIs against the Phillies um, in his career. <laughs> you know, again, that's over uh, a couple of years of action, but. Right. But think about also too. Think about the ballpark that he plays in. Right. The, the Marlins ballpark is the, the biggest in all of baseball. He comes to Citizens Bank Park. You know his home run no, numbers could increase by like ten home runs. So again, and man, Bryce Harper was telling this guy big time. You just don't know if this is if this is just the precursor to what's about to take place in the next couple of days. Yeah, uh, and look, and if it and if it doesn't pan out, meaning the bigger signings, I've said before, I'm fine with it. In fact, the more this is drug on, the less I want anything to do with either of those two guys, Harper or Machado. Uh, Machado. Um, the the Phillies lineup as it stands right now is better than it was when the season ended. Pitching, I guess you could debate, but the lineup is better. And last year when they pitched well, 
the pitching's what kept them in the pennant race for a long time. When they didn't pitch well, the offense couldn't dig them out of you know those holes. The offense couldn't outscore other teams. Next year's ball club on paper might be able to do that. You know, to out hit out out hit teams, outscore teams when the pitching's not getting it done. So we'll see. But they get they get a really good young player and real muto, and they pick on you know the hapless Marlins who continue to just unload any decent player they have. He he hit two seventy seven last year, thirty doubles, seventy four runs batted in. He led all catchers in total bases. Um, his WAR wins above replacement was the tops amongst the entire league, not just the National League, the Major League catcher circuit, if you will. Uh, he's got a decent arm, and he was an all-star. So, uh, yes, Alfaro, an up-and-comer. Yes, Sanchez, your top prospect, but Real Muto is the real deal. And now the Phillies, again, way better than they were even 24 hours ago. Um, all right, to the Sixers, because they have been busy. Start anywhere you want with the 746 moves Elton Brand has made in the last couple of days. Uh, oh, but let I guess if if I'm asking you, I'd I'd like you to start with the one that went down today, which involves Markel Fultz. Yeah. So for people that don't know, the Markel Fultz experiment is officially ended in the city of brotherly love, and they trade him. There was talk that he'd be he'd be dealt by the deadline. Everyone pretty much thought that that it was a done deal, and there were a couple teams in the mix. The two teams that I heard most that were possibilities of trading for Markel Fultz with the Atlanta Hawks and the Orlando Magic. So the deal goes down with the Orlando Magic. In return, the 76ers received Jonathan Simmons, a first-round pick via Oklahoma City, and then a second-round pick to be the following year. So here's the deal. The guy was the number one pick overall, didn't meet expectations, struggled with the mental aspect of being a professional athlete and having a case of the yips and I, nobody was a bigger advocate or a bigger, you know, a fan. You were a fan. Of, you were a fan of the draft pick. You were a fan of sticking with the kid. Yeah, yeah I was a fan. I thought possibility. I, I just couldn't believe that he could lose his shooting stroke. I couldn't believe. But then there were just other things that kind of just made you wonder how he carried himself. And to be honest with you, I wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully he goes on to Orlando and, and can make some type of career for himself. But honestly, with whatever you could get for this guy, you had to do the deal. It was just something, another albatross hanging over the franchise that you just had to cut your losses. And, and Jonathan Simmons, they get back a wing player, a guy who's like 6'8". Um, he's a guy that can defend. He can give you some scoring punch when you need it. And with with basically the moves that the Sixers have made, they needed some replenishment on their bench moving forward, and and this deal does that. So, all in all, it's a huge, you know, when you're trading a former number one overall pick, you'd like to get something healthy in return, but I think the Sixers and Elton Brand did the best they could, and they got another bench piece to go, go along with the move that they made yesterday, and that was the big splash. You know, everyone wakes up. Apparently, a trade takes place at like four o'clock in the morning, uh, Eastern time, and it, it turns out that the 76ers made a huge trade with the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, the big piece of the trade is Tobias Harris. He is a wing player from the University of Tennessee. I watch this guy a lot, Joe. He is—he can do everything. 
He can shoot the ball. He shoots the ball extremely well from the three-point line. He can get his own shot. He can he, he can do a lot of things. And this just made their starting lineup probably the best in the Eastern Conference with J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and now Tobias Harris. They also get back this huge seven-footer Euro who happens to be, I guess, a really good friend of his, Boban Bravanovic. I love him. Um, yeah, Boban. Um, so, Bobo, listen, the 76ers needed another guy to basically give Joel Embiid some rest. Amir Johnson wasn't really exactly cutting cutting it, and he wasn't really playing that much. So, another guy they bring off the bench, another deal they got is a forward named Mike Scott. He's kind of like a tweener between the three and four. And the Sixers gave up Landry Shamit, Mike Mescal, Wilson Chandler, um, and two first-round draft picks and two twos. Now everyone's saying it's a heavy price to pay, but all the reports that came out, especially from Adrian Wojnarowski, is that the Sixers intend on keeping this big four together when you're talking about Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris. The question is, too, it's also a great security blanket. If Jimmy Butler happens to leave in free agency, if he's like, nah, I don't want to be here, I'm going to go to L.A. or I'm going to go somewhere else, and he wants to leave town, essentially you lock up Tobias. If you can do that, you lock him up long-term, and then you try to look for another piece moving forward. But I thought it was an excellent move. You know, when you think about the first-round picks, you're like, wow, two first-round picks. But you also have to look at where these picks would take place. If it's the Sixers pick, if they finish in the top, you know, like the top 10 teams of the league, they're basically going to be put picking between 24 and 26. So the question is, are you going to be able to hit on that type of pick? Just to give you a name of the guy that we picked in that slot, you know, Furkan, Kukmans, we took him at number 25. So really, are you really going to get that great of a player? So the one pick, the one draft, uh, you know, trade that they did give up was that, that unprotected Miami Heat pick, which basically essentially was involved with the Mikhail Bridges for Zaire Smith move. That one could be... That pick could possibly be, be a big hitter, possibly right. a lottery pick. That could be the one that comes Miami. back to burn you a little bit. Right. Could be. Could be. But listen, but again, I, I think at all told, though, they got another score. They got a borderline all-star player to add to their starting rotation. And then, of course, it's like, well, what about their bench depth? Well, then today, essentially, they make a couple moves to address that bench depth. So if they've gotten better coming off the bench and their starting five now is arguably the best in the Eastern Conference, you got to like what Elton Brand's done. And I, listen, say all you want about Boban at seven foot three, 290 pounds. I like the guy. Uh, the, the, you know, I watched him play earlier this year when the two teams got after it a bit, and I was like, man, this guy's a monster. Like, he was, give, he was giving Embiid all he could handle at 290 pounds and seven foot three. And... I just remember watching that game being like, this guy's like, he, he's a handful. And so uh, you talk about a security blanket should Jimmy Butler leave. What about a security blanket should Embiid suffer some type of injury or miss some time? Now you don't have to throw Jonah Bolden in there. Now you've got Boban that can carry some minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And he kind of has a little bit of Arvita Sabonis, if anybody remembers him. Kim really doesn't have the offensive prowess that Sabonis had, but... This guy's a pretty good, effective passer, and you just need him to defend and rebound and be 
so that these guards just can't get to the rack deal. Right. Say, when Simmons goes out of the lineup, or not when Simmons, when B goes out of the lineup. It's just, I think their personality, I think they're going to mesh. And I, the other deal, too, that we didn't manage, there's two more deals. I'm sorry. The other deal that we didn't mention is, you know, they um, the 76ers acquired Malachi Richardson, who's a local kid from Philadelphia. He played one year at the University of Syracuse, kind of like a shooting guard, athletic wing player, really hasn't hit a stride. He probably could have used a couple more years of season in college, but another guy to end is the bench. And another draft, or another move they made, they also traded for James Dennis, who's another one of those forward wing players, and um, he comes from via Houston. So we essentially, you know, signed an all-star caliber fringe player and Tobias Harris, and then we basically remade the bench and added depth. Now, there's one more move out there that could be a possibility, and it could be the Sixers acquiring, and it looks like the Phoenix Suns are basically going to buy Wayne Ellington, the former Episcopal Academy star out of his contract, and could he become a Philadelphia 76er to add some shooting into the mix coming off the bench? So keep your eyes out for that, and that could be another possible move in the mix. And then they could always, uh, too, the guy that they got rid of was Corey Brewer. They decided not to re-sign him, even though he played extremely well on those two 10-day contracts. Who knows, maybe the possibility they bring him back. So, it's crazy to think about all the roster moves they've made. You know, when, when you're, not, you're not talking about a 24-25 player roster like the NHL. You're talking about, yeah. what, 12 guys, you know? 12 guys. And, uh, every night. And, <laughs> and you Harry just rattled like off about six or seven names that they essentially have brought into the That's fold. Wow. You got to give it to I them. Mean, you got to give it to them for going for it. And, and if we've seen one thing in Philadelphia over time, the fans appreciate the effort to go for it. Whether it's the effort from the guys on the court, on the floor, on the ice, field, whatever, pick your sport. The front office shows you this is our window. We're pushing the chips in. Everybody loves it. And now the you got the Phillies that don't want to feel left out. And that's the great thing about being in Philadelphia and has been for a while. You know, if it's an Eagles town for a couple of years, the other franchises, they're not dumb. They're not blind to that. We better get back in the mix. Flyers town. You know, Flyers run, make a run to the finals. And all of a sudden, the Eagles are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, dream team, here we come. I mean, those are the things you get in that type of cauldron and that type of environment. And... It pushes the franchises, I honestly feel like, to be better. Now, look, trust the process took a while and the whole rebuild, but there was an end goal, and we're there now. I mean, this is it. It's all in. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's like one of the things, like that song, anything you can do, I can do better. Yep. Like, and, and it's just one of those things where, you know, next thing you know, it's, um, you know, the Phillies were like, all right, we'll let them have the Sixers have their day on the trade deadline, and maybe two days later we come from come to find out they acquire. And here's the here's the dream baseball scenario. And I don't know what brings truck we got to rob or John Middleton's got to rob, but you get Bryce Harper, you sign Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel, and we're on the way back to the World Series. I love Boom. it. I love it. Uh, I defer to you, as always, on, on the basketball moves, the basketball team, the roster, the analysis. Tell me right now, the Sixers and the expectations are great out the moves. Any way you want to spin it, 30 seconds. Where should our fans of the Brotherly Love podcast expect the Sixers to finish now? There is no doubt in my mind. It just puts them 
serious contenders, not only to make the Eastern Conference Finals, but possibly if they can find a way to gel and Brett Brown can get these personalities together and get these guys with some great chemistry, there's no doubt in my mind that they don't end up in the Eastern Conference Finals and perhaps fighting for a championship against nobody else than the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, exactly. You know who's waiting at the end of the line? And you know when the when the Sixers and Warriors played, uh, what was it, yeah, about that, a week ago? Absolutely. All I kept thinking yeah. was Sixers win like 113-104. All I kept thinking was game one, NBA final, Sixers stun Warriors, take one nothing lead, Warriors win in five. <laughs> Didn't have that feel to well, it like when they beat the Lakers. And I, yeah. I still believe they well, had a chance to win that series. That's how That's how biased I was. That was an unbelievable basketball game to watch. Like people that yeah, it was fun. That happened. The one thing that kind of took away a little from it is that Clay Thompson didn't play, and I would have loved to have seen Clay Thompson play in that game just to see how we would have reacted to that. But I mean, if the Sixers have made a full and blunt statement that they are going for it right now, the time it's now or never. And hey, listen, and Brett Brown. You know, you got to look at too, man. This as a, as a coach right now, he's a. We have given you the tools, the yep. pieces, everything you need. Yep. And if you if you can't get it done right now, then we got to bring in that coach that's the closer to yep. take them to the next level. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Especially considering all Brown had to suffer through for those years of sixty plus losses. All right, let's shift gears here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita with you. The Philadelphia Flyers have won eight in a row. We left them dead in the water pretty much our last podcast. Although I did say to you, if you remember, Johnny Mita, Carter Hart's numbers were starting to get impressive. He seemed to be settling in. He's now become the unofficial savior of the Flyers organization. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about him getting traded. If you're going to buy a jersey... If you're going to buy a T-shirt jersey, a.k.a. jersey, maybe the safest bet right now in Philadelphia is Carter Hart because I don't think he's going anywhere for a long time. Everybody else in the organization you just don't know about. All these other teams, they're trading guys left and right, signing players, players are leaving for free agency. You never know. But I tell you this, your Carter Hart merchandise purchase is probably a one, uh, one that you can get some wear and tear out of. Uh, Flyers are 1-8 straight. They host the Kings tonight. Most of you, by the time you listen to this, that game's probably over. We don't know if it'll be nine in a row or not. Stolarz is going to start in net. The Kings stink. There should be two points there for the taking. But this Flyers team, all of a sudden, John Meade, is a game above 500. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to make a run. I'm not even going to tell you they're going to make the playoffs because they still have a long way to go. But I want to talk about Carter Hart again because this kid right now is the reason that the Philadelphia Flyers have even been relevant uh, the last couple of weeks. He's 10-5-0 and 0 on the year, or 10-5-1 and 1 on the year. His goals against now is 2.48, and his save percentage is getting into, like, all-star type numbers at 925. He is still very young. He's a 98 birth date. But Carter Hart is settling in, the 20-year-old right now, the backstop, and it gives everybody a little bit more breathing room, gives everybody a little bit more confidence. He's making up for the fact that their defense sucks, and he's making that timely save and then that extraordinary save. And that can really breed a lot of confidence into a team. From what you've seen of the Fly Guys and the youngster, uh, right now he's taking over the organization by storm and, and starting to become a little bit of a talk of the NHL. You just love to see it, right? So, like, you know, I go back to, like, Carson Wentz. Like, I know it's going to be crazy compared to sports, but, like, 
you know, he has like a decent rookie season, you know, they go seven to one, nine. And then you just look at year two and you're like, holy crap, we got the real deal. Yeah, you're right. And like, and that's what I see with this guy. I mean, he has 41. Listen, when's the last time the Philadelphia Flyer goaltender had 41 saves in a game? I mean, I, I, I can't remember. And, He's so young. He's such a technician. His position is unbelievable. It's just that's the major piece, I think, when you look at a hockey. If you don't have goalkeeping, just like if you don't have a quarterback in the National Football League, it is such a big part of the game, man. It is huge. And he's he's played unbelievable. He was named Rookie of the Month. Like, think about that. 10-5-1. And let's give some kudos to the guy that you knew, Joe, little Chuck Fletcher. Kudos and props to him for having the uh, balls to bring up Carter Hart yeah. and say, hey, let's see what he's got. At least, yeah, I know what they're twisting. The Flyers went through like seven I know, I know. At the end of the day, his hand, his hand so was forced, but... You know, yeah. you know, they did sign Mike McKenna to like a, a save our ass tryout. I mean, they could have probably right. found a way to swing a deal and get somebody's number three and patch right. it together. But, you know, right. they brought him up. They gave him a chance. Again, I thought it was too early. Oh. I was worried about how the kid would be affected by it. Um, but yeah. as I said a couple podcasts ago, sometimes it's easier for goalies to play in the NHL. I've seen this firsthand well, because well, things are more structured. And I think and the other thing is, too, I mean, there's pressure on them, but there's not that much pressure, right? right? Everyone knows the team is not that great, right? So it's not like as fans and people in the organization are going to just, he's going to feel the pressure like, man, you've got to do your part. You've right. got to be that, yes. that stop gap, This isn't that the Stanley center. Cup finals with the city right. waiting for 40 years for a championship. Right. Exactly. So he can go out there and he can go do his thing and become the great cold center that we expect him to be in. Listen, it's just so nice to feel. You know, I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine. I said, it's just so nice to, to know and realize that, oh, my God, we might have found our franchise goaltender. It's just huge. It's like you can't even put in the words, like, how significant to just get that one position. And then now that you know you have that position, you can then work around the other pieces and, and try to shore those things up in order to get – to get yourself back in contention. They're on a run, and I think, listen, some of the veterans are like, man, we got a great goaltender. This guy can steal a game for us every every now and then. He can steal a game for us, and we can just and, and we can just, just play. And who knows if they're going to make the playoffs. Obviously, I would love to see them get a huge draft pick and, and another just ultimate-type franchise offensive player in here, but it, it's just really good to see. Well, the problem Very is with the eight-game winning streak, now they're 11 points out of last. You know, when this right. streak started, they were basically in last, tied with Ottawa or a point behind Ottawa. Now, all of a sudden, the right. Senators are like, yep, perfect, we're pulling the chute. They've lost five in a row. Um, right. You know, New Jersey's near the bottom of the division in the conference. So, the Flyers now, again, they're seven points out of the playoff spot. You hate to be middling around 500 because you never get any better at the end of the year. But I will say this. These big games down the stretch, should they remain big, should the Flyers make a real push, will be important experiences and valuable lessons for the younger players. Even if it's Provorov and it's, you know, the Ghost and Konechny, Sanheim, Carter Hart, the more experience these guys get late in season, you know, late season games and playoff games, the better. In fact, Chuck Fletcher 
is the man that once told me a long time ago that he values and looks at playoff games at the NHL level. Stanley Cup playoff games is basically two regular season games, meaning as far as experience and value and what a player can learn. So a guy can play regular season games only once, but when you get to playoff games in Chuck Fletcher's eyes, again, this is something he told me years ago, is basically they look at it, you know, he looks at it as like the double the double whammy, the double value of experience um, and, and those lessons you can learn how to win, what it takes to win, and the intensity and pressure that comes with it. So if you can even get a round of the playoffs, it just helps these kids learn and get put in that fire firsthand so that when they're really ready to win, they don't have to learn then at that point. They've seen it. They've been there. They've done that. So we'll see what happens. But Flyers certainly make it interesting just when we left them for dead. Uh, that tends to be a theme here on the Brotherly Love podcast. All right, lastly, <laughs> let's go to that sport known as football. I don't know when the last time we had a podcast where we didn't talk football or Eagles football. So let's squeeze in at the end. Bird season is over. Tommy and company, the Patriots get ring number six under Brady and Belichick. The worst Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls after arguably the best one. Biased, yes, but just look at the, the stats, the highlights, the tape. Final score, 13-3. to <laughs> Patriots get it done. It sucked. The game was brutal. I hate the Patriots. I hate the Saints, but I hate the Patriots. You know, I thought maybe the Rams would show up. They just had nothing going. I don't know what Sean McVay was thinking with the lack of use of Todd Gurley. You know, there has to be something else there that's not coming out. But I guess if you have any thoughts on Super Bowl 53, which totally sucked, I'll take them. Well, I mean, you, you, it was just a defensive battle. I mean, you can't really fault the Rams' defense. They really played their tails off. If you were going to limit Tom Brady to 13 points in a game with the offense that you had going into that game being one of the top three in all the NFL, you figure, man, we have a really damn good chance of winning this football game. I thought the play calling, like you said, how Todd Gurley didn't get involved. There's got to be something going on. I don't know if it's a disciplinary issue. I don't know if this guy has a torn meniscus and they just kind of to try to baby it and try to give him some necessary rest, but he just wouldn't be able to come back from it unless he gets it cleaned up and has surgery. So that was very puzzling. The play calling on the offensive side, like he just, he didn't make anything easy for Jared Goff. And you look at the games that Jared Goff struggled. Like how did he struggle? It's when teams blitzed him. And I know that's my big thing and my favorite word. But when they were sending linebackers up the A-gap, he just he just seemed very unsettled. When the Eagles played them, yep, and they played some, he looked he lost. Yeah, he looked he looked lost. He made some really fast throws, like that throw down the stretch where he just picked off. He he was a little hesitant. He had Brandon Cooks open for that one touchdown. He was just late with the ball by a half second, and that would have been a touchdown. He just they had no answer, and they just it just shows that experience, right? It really shows the experience on that big of a stage and, and what it can do for you. Yeah, Tom Brady, he didn't play his best Super Bowl. You know, that's kind of what it makes me sweeter as Eagles fans that, you know, basically Tom Brady, numbers-wise, statistically, had like one of the best games of his career, and the Eagles still found a way to get it done and beat him. I, I just don't know what happened to Sean McVay. His creativity with his play calling, it just wasn't there. They just didn't do themselves. They they didn't run all those screens, the wide receiver screen. For a guy like Jared Goff, his biggest safety blanket during the course of the year was was wide receiver Cooper Cup. 
Cooper Cup was recuperating from a torn ACL. That might have had an effect. Yeah, they were a diff- just- they were a different team without him. Let's be honest about yeah. it. But you're right; they yeah. they never got yeah. no rhythm. You know, it turned out to be a sleeper of a game, and now Brady and the Pats have ring number six. Um, all right, let's great. go. Let's go to this Foles Wentz thing. One minute or so, whatever you got, sure. make the most sure. of. Uh, obviously, them put you know picking up the option on Foles. He pays the two million dollars back to the team, so now he can be a free agent. The only thing the Eagles can do is franchise tag him and then try and trade him. I did see some yeah. fine print that maybe that won't even work. The league might not allow it because when you franchise tag a player, it's in good faith that you're going to have him on your roster. And if they're franchising him just to trade him, it's sort of circumventing that fine print. We'll see how it all shakes out. But Wentz, Foles, Foles, uh, you know, sort of wanting to control his own destiny. And now Wentz coming out and addressing that article. I know that's a lot there, but uh, what do you got, Johnny Mita? Johnny Mita, what's Jefferson up to? Not happy? All of a sudden, you see somebody running down the street. I thought we could go. What podcast? Without- <laughs> you know, I think she- he- Jefferson has a point to make, a hot take on Foles and Wentz, and we should just let her oh get it. Oh, my God. Exactly. Let him get exactly. it out. Apologize to the listeners for my puppy. Um, basically, you know, it's crazy. The article comes out. Of course, Wentz is a selfish player. All of a sudden, some guys would cause a lot of friction. Then he comes out today. He was interviewed by Angelo Cataldi saying, listen, why – I'm sure she's going to have selfish tendencies, right? His backup basically came in, won the Super Bowl. Everybody's praising him. They got statues at Billboard, St. Nick. I mean, you know, he's like, God damn it, that should have been me doing that. So, of course, there'll be a little jealousy. that, And maybe he came back too soon with the injuries. Maybe he pushed because he just didn't want people to, to feel like he was left behind. But here's the deal. Moving forward, I think Carson Wentz eventually is going to be a better quarterback, ultimately, than Nick Foles for his career. Now, all these people, we got friends of ours saying, you know, we got to keep Foles, we got to get rid of Wentz, you can get rid of Wentz for three number one picks. I- I'm sorry, I don't think somebody's going to give me three number one picks with the injury history that he has, even, even if he wanted to do that. Bottom line is this, they get Foles, they... You know, they have that option on them. He opts out. And the, the franchise thing, and that's what I was wondering. And now that that news just came out that technically CBA, if he files a grievance with the league, right, he said, well, the Eagles just did it to keep me so that they could get more for me. It, would that turn out to, to them maybe it's like a tampering situation where the league take action against the Philadelphia Eagles and then ultimately if they let Nick Foles go in free agency, with the league say, then even though he left the free agency, which and then therefore you get a compensatory pick, could they strip us of the third round pick? The so the bottom line is this is what they got to do. They got to get Nick Foles on board. Hey Nick, where do you want to play football next year? Give us some options. Get him on board. Do the deal kind of like with with the Kansas City Chiefs kind of did with Alex Smith. When hey Alex, we're going to trade you. Here's some teams that are interested in your services. You're going to rework your contract. I mean, the numbers of the contract for Alan Smith came out like that Said, So I think it's a similar situation. Possibility of landing spots for Foles. Everybody's speculating Jacksonville. Um, there's also speculation maybe Miami, too, as well. And who knows, the New York football giants. Apparently the Eagles are fearful that if he's cut loose and he's not under their control, that essentially he could just go right to the Giants. So 
and then everybody's like, makes oh, me want to puke play. in my mouth. That's what it I does. Know. Makes that, me want to puke I, in my mouth. I don't want to play him in the division. Listen, you know, I, I'm not even worried about that. I'm not even worried I'm, about him beating the Eagles. Right? I'm not. I just I don't want to see him in that color. I don't want to see him with that helmet on. I don't want to not like him. I don't. So go somewhere where you're just off the grid, off the radar. Period. That that's I, that would be perfect world for Eagles fans. But as you yeah. as you know, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, at one point McNabb is with the Redskins, so we'll see what yeah. happens. And we'll um, see what Howie can do. I mean, listen, Howie was able to get a first round draft pick for Sam. Yeah, get the get the uh, elephant out of the room. Let Wentz be the That's guy it. with no questions, no uh, controversies. Hopefully, comes out has a good spring. They get off to a good start in the preseason. He's healthy. They kick off the regular season, and everybody will forget about it. That's the way it works. Um, you got it. So we'll see how we'll see how it unfolds. It's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks uh, and, and really months in the off season leading up to the NFL draft for the Eagles, and we'll see how active they are heading into the draft. All right. Uh, quick, hardly knew ye to Markel Fultz, 33 games, 7.7 points per game. Hardly knew ye. Godspeed. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. See you later. And then uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, you know, I, I get a classic rant. I would love to get into LeBron and his influence in the league and with his agency and what they've created and his just, you know, in some ways, kind of tearing apart the league a little bit. Yeah. LeBron sucks. Screw him. All right. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast for John Mita, Joe Donald. Appreciate all the love and support. Apologize for the hiatus. We're back at it. And uh, we'll try and keep it more regular. Godspeed, everyone out there, including Markel Fultz. Till next time, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.